Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Mad Tech Podcast brought to you by Exchange Wire. You have me, your host, Lindsay Roundtree. I'm the head of content at Exchange Wire and I'm joined, obviously, by our CEO, Kieran O'Kane. And our guest today is the none other than Amir Malik from Accenture Interactive. Yo, what up? <laughs> and, and this is... Very much the start of things to come, I feel. Disruptors in the house. Oh, good God. Yeah, this is amazing. Anyway, do you mind you... He's not street, he's Sesame Street, right? And it's now my job to keep this on track, which I'm really worried about. But we'll see how it goes. Malik. Tracksuit Malik. Malik. There we go. Yeah. Um, so to remind you of the format, we're going to kick off talking about three big news stories. Uh, and then we're going to d- dive deep into kind of Amir, what you're up to, what you do at Accenture and kind of the big things, the areas of focus for you at the moment. So to kick off with the news. First of all, we have the news that the six major ad exchanges have launched their principles of programmatic advertising in an open letter to buyers and publishers. It was signed by OpenX, Sovereign, SpotX, Teleria. Uh, oh my God, Rubicon Project and Pubmatic. Thank you. Um, and they're basically the three core principles around transparency, efficiency and fair market to try and say this is what we are committing to and this is what we want the industry to become. Thoughts, gentlemen? All right. So first of all, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. I Personally, I just think as soon as the ink is dry, it's irrelevant anyway, right? It's just a piece of paper. You know, and I think there's some tactical uh, partners left out rather, from the, um, from, the, from the signatories. And I think that you've got to think about what's the intention there. Is this a true agenda for transparency or this is, is this sticking a knife into index? You know, when, when, when Someone people... Someone had to mention their no, name. I when, mean, when people are on the up, right, you know, they can get a bit arrogant and they can get a bit big for their boots. But when they're on the down, that's when these guys are going to kick you twice as hard. And that's what I think is happening here. There's, there's definitely... A lot of signatures missing from the letter. What's well, Google? But you're, but you're Google? saying left out. Is it left out or didn't want to be part of it? Oh come on, now. it's like a part <laughs> private party because about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I remember Index was part of this committee to improve marketing. They're not the only guys, right? That did bid cashing. Mm. They didn't invent it. Mm. They're not the only ones who did it. If you think for a second that there isn't a number of hidden exchanges, probably hundreds spanning from Russia, Ukraine, through Europe to US, pushing app inventory, publisher inventory, absolute garbage inventory, churning out CPMs and making money that is powered with the help of these guys, then you don't know, you just don't understand the market. That's 100% what's happening. Are your clients likely to be uh, impressed by this or assuaged? Or are they, when when big cashing came out, for instance, when when the story broke, were Accenture's clients like genuinely pissed off about this, or was it, or did they say, "Ah, huh? what's bit cashing? Is that just another ops thing?" Or yeah, so we we did. I mean, I I had I've got a direct line to Andrew Casale and his and his brother, and we had some clients ask us about this. Some of our more sophisticated clients who are in housing in the process of in housing currently own their tech contracts, right? Even the, when the media agency delivers the advertising, ask us, is this a risk to their programmatic strategy? And we got um, directly into Andrew and got a point of view on it. And, you know, the DSPs are buying this inventory, mm. right? There's a level of trust between the client and the DSP. The SSP relationship isn't with the client. It's with the DSP. Mm. So... I think the accountability there, you know, somewhat is with the DSP as well. They need to know exactly what they're buying. They need to check, do their due diligence. There's a lot of pleading ignorance, but, you know, more 
more bid caching means more money spent for programmatic at higher yields. So everybody in the value chain makes more money and the advertiser loses money. So if you're not the advertiser, I've got the feeling no one else gives a crap, right? Publishers like it. They need it. Well, they, I mean, that's the thing. They probably don't. And, and, and I guess, you know, the, the open letter was to advertisers and publishers. And there was a very, very important point that we were going, they were, they were speaking openly to everyone saying, you know, we sit in the middle. We're trying to speak to the entire supply chain. This is what we want to get out of it. But do you feel, feel like even then it's still very, very much advertiser focused? And the publishers are going to be uh, left as lambasted as they always are. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't really, you know, there's, uh, you can count on your hand the publishers who actually understand what SSPs are doing, right? So they're just at the mercy of SSP. So it's an interesting time. I think the reality is, is that procurement in brands in the Fortune 500 wants to know exactly where every ad dollar is going. So even if the agency guy, you're a client, you're a brand, and the agency guy is your buddy, and you like working with him, and you like going on holiday with him, right? Procurement is going to come catch you up and going to say, where's the ROI? Where's the ad dollar going? And data was yesterday's challenge. You can get the data now. So... Bid caching is just the beginning, right? I just think that there will be loads of stones which will be turned over that are currently unturned about how our marketing dynamics actually exist. And the risk to programmatic is it just the benefits of search and social seem to outweigh programmatic. Mm. That's the risk, but, but that's because of how programmatic is managed, right? Publishers have to have a load of crappy ads, 100 opt-in boxes, and then... You expect them to achieve strong yields from that and a good user and customer experience. It's not going to happen, right? So it's just not balancing out. And, I, you know, we know about grey money. I get shot for this, but advertisers' money, when it is spent by media agencies, it sits with media agencies. It is in the banks of media agencies, right? There are people in media agencies that are KPI'd on growing that money during that grace period. It's called the grey money. Right, so that needs to grow. Now, where that money goes is really decided by those media agencies. So if you want to know where the power lies, publisher control, publisher power is illusory. Advertiser power in the current operating model is illusory. Economics is the true power, and the money sits with media agencies, and they can spend it where the hell they want. Maybe that segues into our next story. It very, very nicely does. So there's the news that publicists have just uh, launched their, their, their latest quarterly earnings, and among the news, they are divesting publicist health services. It's $220 million revenue business, I think, but it's failing for them. And their quarterly growth is 1.3%, so it was close to their 1.4% target. But if they take PHS out of the mix, it would have been 2.2%. So they're getting rid of it and saying, it ain't working. Yeah, I mean, I heard about this. I think, to be honest, I think that the, the current operating model is dysfunctional, right? And to borrow an analogy, right, to, to change this, it's like, it's like replacing an engine in a plane mid-flight. The plane ain't landing. So the, the holding groups, I empathise with their situation. Right? I'm not against anybody in the industry. I love the industry. And I've got friends that work for holding groups. I think there are some massively talented people in, in the agencies. But the operating model is not giving people the scope for change. It's just very, very tough. And so advertisers that do their analysis quickly realise they're not getting the benefits of their relationship. And this poses a risk to the media agencies. Also, you've got the platforms increasingly disintermediating them, right, and creating more automaticity 
Is that a word? Automaticity. Yeah, Autom- I will. Automation. I, I, automation. You just made that up. I, 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 I've heard it before, right? but I don't know if it's in a dictionary. But if you, you could charge £100,000 per hour uh, for using that word in the oh, last day before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have people that would check the words in our... In our, yeah. in our but no, you're, you're exactly right. So I think that the, the, the trend is, is that, you know, publicists just won GSK. That's a massive win for them, right? Congratulations. Mm. That's a brilliant, brilliant uh, accomplishment, I think. Mm. And it's also, you know... Uh, a risk to to people like WPP that the the, the the holding groups aren't one homogenous group, right? WPP isn't publicist and publicist isn't Omnicom. Certainly not. If you look at Omnicom, they're doing very very well, right? And they created Analect, a kind of an analytics engine within the business. You know, they disseminated programmatic traders across the agencies. They're, they're somewhat supportive of clients that want to in-house. And they're moving quickly in doing that, right? And you can see the, the gains and, and benefits. You look at WPP, they've got kind of a turnaround artist going on, right? Which is basically a difficult situation to to resolve in terms of the founder's gone. Where are you going to steer this big tanker? You've got Zaxis in there. You've got Group MPBU. It's not an easy job, right? It's a very, very difficult job. And I think that they're losing a lot of accounts, right? From, from what I can tell and what I can see and what we monitor. Um, but... The reality is, is that overall, any brand that cares about their first party data, that cares about their customer data, needs to own the data infrastructure. Any brand that wants to understand exactly in digital, right? Because traditional, the holding groups weren't the principal. They weren't the, the, the delivery people of those campaigns, right? TV advertising, print was all operationalized by the publishers and media owners, on digital, they became the principal, they became the delivery business units, and they had the ad ops basically integrated into their businesses serving ads. If brands and clients care about analyzing and understanding how their advertising is performing, they need to own the contracts. And the Fortune 500, if you put financial services, banks, insurance companies, telcos, they are going to in-house their contracts, right? In-housing doesn't mean do it all yourself. It means taking ownership of your marketing communication strategy from email through to programmatic. And and the trend is on the up, right? People don't really understand that, but it is on the up. So I think that the reality is, is that the, the agencies are going to have to adapt to a world where they can't, the, the practices, some of the practices they have are not, no longer sustainable. Kieran, you mean you, you speak to a lot of people in agencies and have different viewpoints from kind of people that work across various holding holding codes as, as well as kind of the, the smaller boutique agencies. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I agree with Amir. They're in a really difficult spot. And we've had Danny Hopwood in here talk about how agencies can turn around. But there are, you know, when you think about talent like Danny Hopwood, there's very few of them uh, among those holding groups. There are people for sure, and we know who they are, but it's a difficult you know, when you when you built the business like that, right? You have a dysfunctional relationship with the brand, and the only way you can make money. And I know that there's a case in the US about the FBI and the and the ANA, but rebates elsewhere are pretty legal. But if you've built the business on the back of that, um, it, it just leads to bad behaviour. And you know, it's the, the thing that frustrates me about the the holding group. So we don't do rebates. That's utter horseshit. They have trading teams who are employed to do. To, to agree um, rebate deals, kickbacks from publishers, media owners. Like, even Google has a trading deal with, with, with all the major holding groups. The lies they tell is unbelievable, right? So to turn that business around, and this is where I think that 
you might have difficulty in, in, in sort of the execution part. It's like, where do you find that happy medium, right? Mm. Where a client is happy to pay a fee for your services as well as you doing the execution part because you can come in and do all the consultancy you want, but someone's got to do the execution, right? And in the most part, <clears throat> most clients can't, can't afford to have that in-house facility or function because those type of people are not available, like talented traders. And say what you like about programmatic, and even search, and even uh, um, uh, um, optimizing social, it takes a specific skill set because you've got to analyze data and be able to sort of like optimize media. So those people are not in the market. So you're going to need a middle a middle layer. So it's interesting to see how this this fight between you two guys, yeah. uh, well, not fight, but this 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 sort of challenge that you two have over over the marketing relationship evolves because how does a holding group change from what it is? And how does a, a consultancy change from what it is? And you, I think there's going to be a hybrid model, and you're going to see probably some consolidation in the space. I don't know what Amir might say that, but I can see a couple of holding groups coming together, shedding a lot of staff, you know, uh, um, upskilling and or, or sort of like arming themselves with analytics and data to have some kind of a unique point of differentiation. And we're not going to see that. I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see really interesting stuff going on because yeah. the current model is not working. I agree with me. There's, there's like, I've heard some rumors and some holding groups have no idea where money's going. I heard someone tell me the other day that one specific holding group ha- had to ring Google to ask how much their global spend was. That's insane. Like, how do you not know how much, you know, could you imagine that call to Google? Hello, uh, Mr. Cat Manager. How much money have I spent with you? And the Google guys go, "You haven't spent fucking enough money with me. Spend another hundred million. <laughs> you know, you know that. You yeah, know that yeah. like, You know what it is? It's healthy for the industry, right? So, just on the in-housing comment, and anyone who's listening, let's be clear here, right? In-housing that makes us relevant isn't actually when the client just does all the programmatic buying by themselves. Okay, it doesn't make us relevant when they employ directly programmatic traders, audience specialists, because we're employing those people. We want to do that work. We see ourselves as an extension of the marketing team. In-housing to us has many variations. There is that pure in-house play, which is you go, you hire people, and you do it yourself, and you are the brand. And then there's the in-house play where you in-house the technology, and you outsource the operations. You may outsource the planning, and we want to be, we are being mobilized for that version, right? We consult clients that want to do full in-house. We consult clients that want to have the hybrid model. The media agencies are experiencing that as well. We're actually more similar than people realize. You know, you take someone like Booking.com, they do all the media buying themselves. They want the planning in the media agency. Okay, mm. so... But, but, the, but the, cool, the cool thing is, and this probably leads us into our next segue, but the cool thing, because Terry Quad did a really interesting presentation at Programmatic I.O. in New York this week, but the interesting thing is there's so much interesting stuff going on in the space. The rise of DTC brands, right? So we've just launched our DTC index, which is the top 1,400 uh, DTC brands in the world, right? And we're going to publish it on Exchange Wire. The idea is to kind of to profile these companies. But it's really interesting because these guys are, are, are basically acquiring their audience through Facebook, Google, and yeah. programmatic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know nothing else. It's a data-driven environment. But when they get to a certain point where they want to hold their to build a brand, a real brand, so they can prospect and and keep their current against all their competitors, they're going to have to do branding. And an, an agency or a consultancy is going to help them do that. Like yeah, that, yeah. that is, there, there is going to be a massive market. So when 
the, the new Ubers or the new Airbnbs uh, come, come, yeah, come yeah. of age they're yeah, going to go yeah. I want to do TV but I don't want to do fucking linear TV because that's a lie I want to do real programmatic branding right and this is you talk about programmatic but it's the way that we'll, we'll stitch all these disparate sort of um, ecosystems together right so that's where I think that programmatic could be quite interesting oh, so, you, know, you know I love this conversation because there is a misunderstanding that you know if you speak to some of the performance marketing businesses and I come from a performance marketing background they have tunnel vision. Like lots of them can't see the value of brand, and like, we need to do more programmatic performance. We need to drive more into companies that we all love and know. Right, the usual suspects, the search programmatic companies, the marketing intelligence programmatic companies, Quantcast. We love these guys, and they're great. But why do you need brand? Ninety percent of the world drink Coca Cola, right? ITV England vs Croatia match had more people watching it than any football match. I think in England in history I think it was, it was definitely one of the most watched football matches in history Coca-Cola wrapped themselves around the World Cup that's branding you can't quantify with a tracking pixel while sticking a Coca-Cola banner behind the goalkeeper and running along the side and a Sony banner is doing for their brand through tracking pixels mm. that's why econometrics is totally relevant if I run a business in Christmas I want people to be thinking about my product Performance is definitely an engine which drives acquisition. But there's there's an element to say that this is for a complete different podcast. We could down the rabbit hole here, but I just can we move on to the Terry Quadra yeah, thing? Yeah, well, this is I mean, this is the thing. So you're talking about branding and the importance of branding and, and, and how many don't understand what brand is. And actually, of the you know, it was a presentation by Terry Quadra, problematic IO, a study of the investment market for ad tech. And there are nine points on there. The last one is stricken out, but one of them is performance advertising as to where they see a big trend. Now. That's interesting in terms of understanding a brand. And you hear a lot of people talking about performance branding and branding performance and how they're trying to merge them together. So where econometrics plays into that and trying to actually, I guess, tie the loose ends. But actually, are others going, do we need branding? Let's take it all to performance. Or yeah, but, do we need performance? What about OTT? So like, if you think about the, va- the, the, mm. the promise of OTT is the ability to target audiences, right? Mm. Uh, like uh, the whole, the, the idea is it's a connected TV. Incredible. So you could do some amazing, so Sky have Incredible. amazing first party data. And I think there's going to be a ton of, I said this last week, I think there's going to be a ton of interesting sort of OTT first businesses. Honestly, media businesses. Honestly. Like we could, we could like I, I said last week, you could buy a bunch of like niche items like fishing or whatever and you could build an audience with Facebook and Google and programmatic and you could basically build a first party enabled thing. And I think that's where the programmatic branding thing comes in. That's like, we need to build a brand, totally. right? And using, like people st- still like, TV ads are still powerful. They're powerful oh. means to build branding or connection with a person. But, if you're just pulling it on linear TV and nobody's watching linear TV, Barb is lying to you. It's a lie. No, There's exceptions but, to the rule. Uh, Sport and Love Island, right? Very rare. I don't know. I never watched Love Island. It looks like a pile of shite and it is shite. <laughs> and morons watch it. But people watch it because most people are morons, right? So, okay, fair enough. So, but that, that for me is programmatic uh, branding. There's, a, there's, there's going to be... You know, addressable TV yeah. is going to resurrect. Not just that, but listen, yeah. addressable out of home. Out of home, yeah, yeah, yeah. Addressable this is going to say. All right, if you thought that programmatic had one out output, which was banner ads on the mobile phone, there wouldn't be many ad tech companies left in a few years' time. I guarantee you, right? The output of addressable TV, out of home, programmatic audio. You know, programmatic in-flight on a plane. You know, I was on the Emirates plane, which had Wi-Fi. You know, I could check my emails. I could see ads. 
This is, and I was watching films in front of me. This drinking is, champagne. <laughs> I oh, was man. having. Uh, I, well, we won't go into the details, yeah. but we we will say that programmatic is going to transform the broadcasting industry. Yeah. And this is where independent ad tech mm. players have a colossal opportunity. business opportunity because broadcasters mm. are not interested in, in with making in the mistakes of yes. news publishers. Yes. So how do they, they then... They, they hate... They, like they, let's put it this way. They hate Facebook, they hate Google, and they fear Amazon, right? Right? They do not want them near their inventory, their data... Anything else? The choice they have is build ad tech infrastructure. If you're mm. a broadcast listen, is build ad tech infrastructure or you won't exist. Yeah. If, if your revenues depend on advertising. And that's it. So if you are an ad funded business and you're a broadcaster, you need to take seriously ad tech and you are going to see acquisitions after acquisitions mm. in, in the broadcast industry. It's exciting. It's a, that that is the opportunity. That's writing to people like we have a tunnel vision right now about Oh, did you all please kill the industry? I was like, well, what about, what about TV? What about the app marketplace? What about uh, out of home? There's so much opportunity out there that has not been touched by those two companies. Totally. totally. You know and what? I actually think that yeah. we, I agree with you, putting more banners on a fucking The Guardian's website is not going to happen. Bid caching is just hikey stuff. It's just, it's just narrow-minded rubbish. Like, it just... Yeah. So you we're now what, going down a giant no, rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm going to try sorry. and bring it back on track. But, we were referring to, obviously, the, the nine big trends that Terry Karaja was talking we about. Already, yeah. I think we've covered we've, that story. We've covered, no, no, we've covered, let, we've covered, let me just say something before you jump onto the next topic. No, because you're going to derail everything. I'm not so quickly. Okay. No, you are. Quickly. Not Mindshare, 1997. Sir Martin Sorrell split creative from, from media. Yeah. That is going to come back together. Yeah, from I completely agree. From programmatic TV, relevant TV video advertising fueled by data. Yeah programmatically that's, execute that's is just, the future it gives you the opportunity at. to use branding messaging totally. and not have to make it DRTV totally. addressably totally. like that is that is where they come together shall we just jump into the Q&A with Amir because I think we've already, already covered it. that story well, so, the, well so, no because the final point was going to be blockchain no that, you've already covered it I thought like <laughs> you've got the three stories anyway <laughs> let's just do it I'm actually conscious of time because I talk too much and you know and everybody's giving out about me let's talk well, about Accenture yeah what Amir what do you do at Accenture <laughs> what Lindsay said. Right, so Accenture Interactive. Accenture Interactive, I think, is possibly the most interesting place I've ever worked, right? The reason for it is, is that... Even better than the, the Daily Mirror. Even <laughs> interesting, right? So I had personal experiences that have not yet been trumped by, by, by my current employer. Yeah. But in terms of seeing the tectonic plates of the market shifting from Accenture Interactive's view which is high right we are in a tall tower let's face it seeing brands and clients thinking about what they're going to do for the next three to five years is a very interesting place to be right but let's face it Accenture Interactive is a disruptive force not just externally but internally right so the holding groups are being disrupted by technology you know any industry is probably going to be disrupted by technology, by automation, by AI, by machine learning, including the consulting industry. And Accenture Interactive is solely focused on customer experience. And one strand of that is this whole digital marketing creative area. And we have virtualized teams, right? We work together. You know, clients aren't always ready for what we do. And, and if you know the right thing to do and you're not doing the right thing, there's only two, you know, there's only one reason is you don't like the answer. 
I, can I ask a question about Accenture? What, what I think it's a really, your positioning is really interesting. And, and you're coming into kind of a, a time of com- complete change and advisors of consultants are going, oh my God, there is a huge opportunity here because there's a whole white space between the marketer and the market, right? That needs to be filled and help the market figure out all this, all this yeah. craziness, right? Yeah. Particularly marketers who've spent hundreds and, mi- hundreds and billions, hundreds of millions and billions on TV, right? That's particularly market going, now the whole thing's changed, right? My audience of the future is now on Snapchat. My audience of the future is on Instagram. They're not watching as much TV, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that is a huge, that's the biggest, that's the biggest tectonic shift in the whole industry. Totally. The behavioral me, change. Yes, because, consumption, because consumption. TV has been the way to brand for nearly 60 years. Totally, right? totally. So what I want to ask you is how do you work with brands in that respect? Are you approaching this from like a... An, right, here, you, I'm going to give you an insight into Accenture. I'd love to know how you like... No, no, let me give you the insight, right. right? Let me give you the insight. And then you can tell me how you get paid. Okay, agencies, <laughs> I, and we can go to agencies... And what you do. Ha, paid media agencies have sole exclusive contracts with their brands, yeah? You can't just walk in and go, let me run your programmatic for you. There are timelines, there are breakpoints, there are calendars to the RFPs. We are mobilising our forces to be ready to pitch effectively in those processes. Good God, that sounds terrifying. But I'm, I, yeah, you know, if you, if you've got, if you've That's got, essential. if you're a shit at programmatic, then it is terrifying, right? So we're going to make sure that we can do these things well, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is email, right? Email is a targetable channel. There is no really sole exclusive paid media boxed in dimension that we're all institutionalized with on that, but it's a targetable channel. Can anyone tell me a brand that links their email communication strategy to their programmatic strategy? Where the media agency do it or the brand does it? No, I don't know anyone. So, I mean, I, I'm ex-agency myself and the way the email was treated was it was just very much put into sort of the lead gen affiliates box right? and then nothing else connected right. around it. Right. So that's how I know so of email but, it, but it's the, the most, it, it is the most open and democratised channel in media. Like you exactly. think about it, nobody owns it. Exactly. Right? I can but have we, a one-to-one, exactly. one-to-one relationship with a brand and you, sometimes you're happy to see the newsletter. If you like wine, you like... Um, you know, naked wines, they're a small boutique wine. Send me ever. I don't even drink wine, but I'm, the, guy, the emails they send me are amazing. They're like funny. I was like, going, this is really funny. You know, so that, that's an interesting one. And yeah, it's you, obvious as well. Yeah, yeah it's so obvious. obvious. So if you were to ask our rate of growth in terms of marketing or digital marketing and look at how our, we've provided email, professional services around email, around text messaging, around. Is text messaging still a thing? Oh, customer communication. Really? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. You look at your phone 60 times a day on average. It's good to know because I'm about to launch a new product. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a very important, it's a very important channel. Look, targetable channels need to be linked. You need your data spine in place so that your social is linked. To, I mean, I don't even know social strategies linked to programmatic at scale anywhere I've not seen it anywhere there, there is a problem of siloization uh, that's a word that's it's not a, it's another we're just making up words yeah, yeah. Well, there's a problem of silos silos and, yeah. and, and where is the narrative where is anyone getting on a mic from an agency or anywhere and going 
we want to provide you a connected strategy from social to display to video. No so one's is, saying so is that. So is this your in? Is that your in with clients? That's that our, we're going after, you know, no. this is, we, we are seeing how the, do, the dots can connect. Yes. These guys aren't doing Absolutely. it. We can do it. Do you this know how your email is being managed? That's thing, how we by go the in. Way, right? This is not like a, this is it. We own this strategy. Like if I, I could tomorrow work anywhere, right? I just want to do the right thing. Not everybody's ready for the right thing. If people want to do the right thing, I want to work with them, right? Or right is maybe a loaded word. I just want to do the most effective thing, the most efficient and effective thing to do, the most rewarding thing to do, the most exciting thing to do, right? I want to experiment, etc. You can do that from any one of these businesses. They've got established um, partnerships. They've got the media budgets. Why can't they just adapt? Right, so I I think that there is an a, another opportunity which is going to be taken advantage of by us. Wonderman are doing emails. You know, these guys are where people are thinking actually shouldn't CRM and data and ID management and my audience be fueling my entire customer communication and my entire marketing communication strategy. And where's the feedback loop? Because I can tell you, nine times out of ten, whenever we work with a brand, we see. This is the campaign, always on, goes out. No one really gives a crap what happened at the end of it. No one really analyzes it. No one really cares. We get a couple of slides which say, this didn't seem to work on Twitter. It was really good on Facebook. What's that? That's not evaluation. Where is the science? The problem is, is our industry has got away with mediocrity for a long time. And hats off to us, right? We made hay while we could. Do you think that the the digital sort of transformation or the move to digital and the fragmentation of, of media has transformed this conversation. So it used totally. to be a case of like, like let's be honest, most of the holding groups make that money from TV, right? And there is such a, there's such a, in, particularly in the UK, there is such a cabal between TV uh, owners, Barb and the agencies, right? Yeah. And I feel that marketers are not really thinking about this properly. Like, But, but, do you, but that, that's a different point. But do you think no, that the, more, dig, yeah. the digitization of everything, right? From and, and the continued sort of evolution, even of search, have gone. We had search, and now we have voice search, and now you know now, now we have uh, you know we've, we've massive like the, the massive evolution of, of social, right? If you think about the way we interact with our phones, the way we sort of uh, consume media, you know we've gone from like uh, desktop to mobile in in a space of like what t- ten years, and the whole thing's changed again. So yeah. This, this probably puts you in, a, in an interesting it's totally, spot. Like, if you look at how mobile is, you know, if you're a retailing business, mobile has transformed your business. Are you ready for that? There are businesses that were still doing their, no, their, not, their high street strategy and pouring millions of dollars into that. You look how shit some of the website, uh, mobile websites oh, are. Me, They're nobody, not even responsive. No, no, to be honest with no, you, the thing terrible. is that Bill Gates has this um, time frame, right? He says two years is too quickly and 10 years is too slowly. And the reality is, you got to meet in the middle of somewhere. You got to get change in the middle of somewhere because Uber and Airbnb and uh, Facebook, when the founders found these companies and they begin to grow these companies, they don't give a crap about traditional legacy setups. They just like everything's fueled by analytics and data and, you know, it's uh, all about growth, Amazon acquisition. When, when Jeff Bezos was in that interview in 1997, he said, I don't really like traditional advertising because it's too hard to track. Online advertising is really easy to track. 1997 quote, we can see the sell-through via creative, mm. via placement, via website. We advertise on 40 websites That's online. That's why Facebook and Google have the biggest market cap in, in, in digital advertising. Absolutely. Because you can, like, if you run search ads, 
you can do uh, conversion tracking and you can actually see what's working for you. Eyeballs. As People follow publisher. eyeballs. People follow eyeballs. What, how, how can you be a, a publisher and you have 30 million unique users a month go to your, go to your product, Right. Facebook in the UK, there's only, what, 65, 70 million people in the UK. How many adults that have disposable income? How many people that will spend money? Facebook is sharing that audience that that publisher is sharing, yet they are juicing that so much more than the publisher. Something is not right in the thinking. Yeah, right? but that's, 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 that's another day's crack. I think well, I, I, I think it is. Uh, there's well, a lot of, of, yeah. Can we, ask, can we ask a question? How will you work with clients that have traditionally worked with eight holding groups and are happy with that kind of, you know, that arrangement, if you will, that kind of yeah. dysfunction. I, I think it's dysfunctional, dysfunctional uh, uh, relationship where, you know, I will basically take all your money and I will promise to sell, uh, to take like 0.01% of it and then I will basically make my margin up through rebates. Yeah. Uh, how do you, because you're going to, because you've, you've obviously dipped your, you've gone, you've dived straight into the execution yeah, yeah, piece yeah. now, right? Yeah. How do you make that work? Will it all be bundled into the, the, the entire... Uh, Accenture Interactive uh, proposition, or will it be separated out? I mean, obviously, you're probably still working it out, but like, I'm just yeah, curious. No, we, we, it's an emerging space, right? So the reality is, is that if you've got a media agency as a brand, most of our clients do. We still work with brands because we want to improve the current status quo, right? So, and, and brands are receptive towards that. Um, nobody's strictly saying, you know, let's let's stop working with media agencies or we can't work with you from our business. We absolutely can work with you. But, you know, consultancies smell blood right now. They smell blood, man. That's the fact. If you've got a trillion-dollar advertising industry, a trillion-dollar, and you're looking for your next growth area, and you're a billion-dollar business, and you think, oh, those guys over there are in the press every five minutes for something dodgy, something bad, advertiser complains... Well, maybe we can go and improve that considering that we are a deeply digital and technologically focused company. So we've got to have a crack. You've got yeah. to have a crack, man. You've got to have a crack. And that seems like a great place to end this podcast. And while we're still not really much closer into working out exactly what Amir does do at Accenture... Um, <laughs> he's, a, would, he's a rainmaker. He's a rainmaker, oh, like yeah. That. Do you like that? Yeah, Digital it's rainmaker. It's not the first time somebody said it. <laughs> She's it's a rainmaker and look, he's also tracksuit Malik. So, no, tracksuit yeah. Malik. I'll tell you something. The, the, we, we've got two minutes left. We, no, we, go on. If you want to know one thing, the expectation well, inside minute. a company like Accenture Interactive, inside a business like ours, is, is high, right? It's high performance delivered is the tagline when you see them. You know, we have to work incredibly hard. Yeah? I'm working more hours than I've ever worked before. It doesn't matter how senior you are in a company. You won't be successful because it's a really entrepreneurial environment if you're not on it you got to be on it right and so make no mistakes we're not just resting on laurels because everyone believes that we have amazing relationships people are working night and day to make this successful brilliant we yeah. actually managed to get on the 35 We've, minutes yeah, today so you can't complain <laughs> that Kieran talks too much next time guys well, you <laughs> no, might complain you might complain that today. you have that's what I'm saying you haven't done right. you might complain that Amir has but exactly he's I allowed to Amir I want to say thank you so much for coming in thank you it's been great having you Amazing. thank you to Amir thank you to Kieran and we thanks will thanks for having me Lindsay you're most welcome and tune in next week brilliant